Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. For the last several days on the Beacon Broadcast, we have been looking at a familiar text in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, which says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we have endeavored to delve into this text and to understand what has become new. What does it mean to be a new creature in Christ and what has become new? And we saw from the preceding verse, verse 16, that to be in Christ means that our perceptions are changed. We no longer judge people by the standards of the world, but rather we judge them by biblical standards. We no longer evaluate Jesus Christ himself the way that many people in the world do, but rather we evaluate him according to the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and according to the revelation of the Bible that has been given to us. So our perceptions, the way we the way we view people, and I would broaden that to say the way we view everything really has changed. Sometimes we talk about a world view. What's your world view? Well, that's a big, big subject, a broad subject, and I don't know that we can nail that down, but it's just simply this. How do you look at events? How do you look at information? How do you look at things in this world? Do you look at it like most unconverted people look at it? Through an unconverted lens or through a biblical lens? And this is one of the things that has changed. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. His perceptions are different from before. Therefore, verse 16, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. So that's a biggie. Our perceptions change when we come to Christ. But there are a couple of other items, and we'll look at them after I welcome you to this Friday, December 16, thanking you for joining us, thanking you for helping us financially that's so important, and asking you to consider a year-end gift to the Beacon broadcast before the year 2022 comes to a close. Well, the second thing that has changed is not only our perceptions, but our behavior, and that's involved in the verse itself. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Old behaviors have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I won't spend any more time on that one because we want to move on to the third one. 
which is that Christ changes our purpose for living. That's so vitally important. Now, verse 18, all things are of God. All things are of God now. In other words, our our entire life is focused on God, is wrapped up in God, is interested in pleasing God, knowing what he desires from us, and endeavoring to do that. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So, because God has reconciled us to himself, we now have a new purpose, namely, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. God reconciled us to himself. Now, obviously, we can't do what he has done. We cannot move in people's hearts the way God clearly can. We we can't do exactly what God has done in reconciling us to himself, but we can have the ministry of reconciliation, which is to make people aware of their need to be reconciled to God— It's amazing to me how many people seem to be oblivious to the fact that they do not have a relationship with God. It's all, well, that's just part of the evidence of their spiritual blindness. You talk to them about God, and, and people have different attitudes, of course. Some are overtly hostile, some are are deliberately agnostic, deliberately determined that it's impossible to know God or to know if there even is a God. But many people consider themselves to have a good relationship with God, even though even though they admit they are not a Christian, they have not been born again, they've not been saved, if they know that kind of language. And increasingly, few people do understand that language. But their attitude seems to be, I'm not I'm not mad at God. I don't I'm not going around bashing God. I don't I don't have anything against God. I'm not I'm not hostile to God. And clearly people have that attitude if they do have it they have it because of spiritual blindness. They don't understand that until we have been born again, we are at enmity with God. It may not seem like it, but we are. Of course, in our day and time, everybody wants to live by according to how they feel. This is the way I feel about it, so that's what's true. I don't feel like I'm hostile to God, so I'm not. Wrong. You are. We all are until we have been reconciled. That's what reconciliation is. It removes that hostility. Whether we know it's there or not, it's there. And so, until we have been reconciled to God... We have this hostile relationship to him. We are his enemies. And it's not a good thing to be an enemy of God. You say, well, I'm not not warring against God. Dear friend, it's not a good thing to be an enemy of God. Or maybe I can turn it around and put it this way. It's not a good thing for God to consider you his enemy. You may not feel like you are at war with God, but unless you have been born again, he is at war with you. You say, oh, come on now. Why would he be at war with me? Because of your sin and rebellion, your refusal to surrender to his authority. He is opposed to you. He is, in a sense, at war with you. And 
someday you're going to understand that, but I hope, oh, I hope you'll come to understand it before it's too late. That's the important thing, that you realize that indeed there is this enmity between you and God, and it needs to be dealt with. And God does that in the work of reconciliation, and then he has committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. And how do we do that? Well, the the phrase that's similar but slightly different in verse 19 tells us how. When it talks to us about having committed to us the word of reconciliation. So, that's how we do the work of reconciliation, by proclaiming the word, the word of God, the truth, the Bible, the elements of God's word that help people understand how God views them outside of Christ. Their need for reconciliation and then the way of reconciliation, which, of course, is the gospel. And that has been committed to us. So what do we have? A new purpose in life, a new reason for living. I'll live for him who died for me. I'm interested in serving him. I'm interested in making my life worthwhile. I'm interested in making my life count for eternity. I'm interested in doing something to change the lives of some people throughout my sojourn on earth, because when I stand before the Lord in heaven someday, that's what will matter more than anything else. Remember that parable that Jesus told about the unjust steward? It's in Luke, I think, chapter 16, but I'll, I'll not look at the moment, but I'll just relate to you for your reminder what was said there. Jesus said there once was a man who had a steward. A steward is one that has a rather large responsibility committed unto him. He's something like a manager, farm manager. Let's think of it in those terms. And so this man had a steward, and he entrusted unto him his goods, his his operation, his business operation, and he went on and busied himself with something else, who knows what. Maybe he traveled, maybe he pursued hobbies, maybe he went someplace else and started a different business. And he left this steward in charge of the business that he had built up prior to handing it over to the steward. And the steward was unfaithful. That's why it is the parable of the unjust or unfaithful steward. And he didn't do a good job. He wasn't diligent. He didn't take good care of his owner's property. He treated his owner's possession as if they belonged to himself rather than his being the manager of them, who was managing them, managing them on behalf of someone else. And so, according to the parable, and Jesus told this parable, he, he constructed this parable in order to be able to teach some truths to his disciples and to others who might be listening. But he said the, the owner decided to fire his steward. He said, uh, you know, you're, you're fired, but he said, I'll give you some time to uh, get things in order. And so, having been fired but not having been kicked out, he still had 
some authority. Other people didn't know he'd been fired, so he got busy and used his last few days of authority to pad his own pocket the best way he could to make things helpful for himself, because otherwise he was going to be out on his ear with nothing. So he called in one debtor, and he said, how much do you owe my Lord? He should have known. He was a steward, but anyway, he didn't. He'd been he'd been pretty, um, pretty careless about his responsibilities, and so the man told him, and he said, uh, give me your ticket, and I'll I'll cut it in half. And another man he calls in and asks him the same question, and he says, "Give me your your um, bill of what you owe, and I will discount it twenty percent." And 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 so he did. Very shrewd. Didn't discount everybody the same amount. Random discounts be harder to trace that way. And he was doing it in order to to call upon these people for favors when he was kicked out of his stewardship. And the Bible tells us that the Lord commended the unjust steward. What? He commended him, we're told, not because he did what was right, what he did was sinful, but because he was shrewd, because he was wise and Jesus said the children of this world are wiser than the children of light. This man has shown more shrewdness than most Christians do. And then he said, here's the point. He said, you Christians, you disciples of mine, make to yourselves friends by means of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into your everlasting habitations. Use the resources God has given you to make friends, that is to gain citizens of the heavenly kingdom, so that when you get there, there will be people to meet you there and say, I'm here because of your influence. That's what Jesus said to do. That's what we need to do. We have a new reason for living. We have the ministry of reconciliation. Until next week, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.